What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. First of all, I want to say good morning and welcome to all of our friends at Life Church Midcoast and anybody watching online. Thank you for joining us. And we love you guys. You're doing a great job up there in the bath area. And they are. They're doing an amazing job. Thank you, Kevin and Kim and all the team up there. Well, we've been doing a, a series, this photograph series for several weeks, and it has been awesome. It's about the picture that God has of the church, the picture he intended for the church. So before we get started, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word today. And Lord, you bless us in so many ways. Lord, we're asking that it's your will, it's your spirit here that's in charge in this message today. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. So the last few weeks we started with this uh, photograph series and the, the picture of the church. And we all have a picture in our mind of, of what things should be like, you know, our marriage, our relationship, our kids, our work. And the same thing, God has a picture of the church. And we looked at the... Uh, the uh, scripture in Acts where it says, and let's just read this together. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, miracle, militia, miracle, yes, signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That is the picture. That is the first church. That's what they call the Acts 2 church. That's the first church. And this is exactly where it came from. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, this, this elderly woman that came home from a, a church prayer meeting one night. She put her key in the door and she opened up and the door opened. And she heard a sound that she hadn't heard before. It wasn't something like the refrigerator running or, and it was something where she walked tiptoed into the, the dining area and she caught a burglar trying to steal her silverware and stuff. And, and she yelled at the top of her voice, stop Acts 238, turn away from your sin. And immediately, immediately the burglar froze right there and didn't move. She calmly walked to her phone, picked it up, called the police. They showed up. And as the police officer was cuffing uh, the burglar, he said, I, I just got a question, man. I says, why did you just not move? I mean, she, all she did was yell scriptures at you. He goes, scriptures? What are you talking about scriptures? She said she had an ax and two thirty-eights. <laughs> I know, it was fun. I couldn't help myself. But. So you never know if you memorize the scripture, how it could actually save your life. <laughs> So as we're looking at this photograph, I was talking with Pastor Brian. He asked me to wrap up this series, and it's been amazing. And he asked me to take a look at um, the story of Ruth and Naomi. So if you open your Bible to, it's right after Judges, Ruth, your own Bible, or online, or page 208 in your pew Bible. And, you know, and I didn't want to do a message about a girl. And come on, I want to do a message like a guy message, a warrior, you know. But then I started reading this, and I got blown away. 
So what happened was, we, if we take a look at our series, and it's this photograph, this picture, and it started with um, this idea that Pastor Brian gave us of koinonia, uh, Christian fellowship with God, or, uh, or more commonly with other fellow Christians, a level of care and community only made possible by God's spirit. This idea of fellowship, this koinonia, and it's a piece of heaven on earth. And if you look back at that scripture in Acts 2, it says they were sharing, they were devoted to each other, they were fellowshipping. They were an amazing, they had an amazing bond that was unbreakable. And it launched the church to where billions of people have gotten to know Christ from this start, from this church, from this koinonia, from this fellowship that they experienced. And then Pastor Brian talked about belonging. And then the last week he talked about being real. When you're in a group setting, being real, being real in the church, being real to each other. And I have to check myself now ever since last week, you know, when I say I'm blessed, you know, how you doing? I'm blessed. I I really am. (laughs) Because, you know, it's not just saying that, although it's important to say that, but are you really blessed? Are you really having a good day? It's okay to be vulnerable, to be transparent with each other. And that's exactly what this church was like. They knew each other well. They had a bond that was incredible. So let's take a look at this story of Ruth and her friend Naomi. And I'm going to set the stage up for you as we get started. And then we'll kind of read through some of it. But Elimelech was a, uh, he was an Israel. He was Israelite. And they lived in, and he and his family lived in Bethlehem. And because there was a famine, he moved. He moved to Moab. He moved to this place. Now, if you look at the Moabites, they were descendants from Lot's daughter. And if you want to read about that, you can look at Genesis and how that started. It was kind of weird. But, but it's interesting. They were a pagan nation now. They turned away from God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They turned away. And they were worshiping all kinds of gods, doing all kinds of crazy things. They weren't living right. So it's kind of like us moving to a, an area like, you know, us in Patriot Nation, maybe moving to Seattle or... <laughs> Or even worse, Pittsburgh. No, no, I'm just kidding. Just teasing. But actually what happened is kind of interesting. In my life, when I was a kid, uh, I, I, went to, I was raised Catholic, and I went to a Catholic school for two years. And then we, then we moved and moved up to uh, the Casco area, and I went to uh, um, a public school for the last two years. And I kind of, I, 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 the influences, the environment, and the atmosphere changed, and I kind of walked away from God, going to church, any of that stuff, and just kind of live my own life. And I wasn't perfect in, when I was going to Catholic school, but I remember praying at the start of our day. I remember there was a certain amount of uh, things that were taught about God that I wasn't getting. And I think that impacted the lives of Emelech and his family. But let's kind of read on. Emelech and his wife, Naomi, they moved to this place. They settled there because of this famine. And then a few years later, verse three, you'll see Emelech died. It doesn't say how he died, but he died. And Naomi is left with her two sons. And the two sons married Moabite women. These women that didn't believe in God. These women, that, they were unequally yoked, as it says in the Bible. One woman was named Oprah. When you, when you see that, Oprah, what does that remind you of? Another person, right? Pretty popular out there, Oprah Winfrey, right? Well, it's kind of interesting if you to take a look at that story of her, her birth certificate actually says Oprah. Her mother named her after this Bible character, must have loved the name. But so many people kept messing it up and calling her Oprah, she just kept it. Kind of a neat little story, huh? And then the other name, woman was named Ruth. And they were both these Moabite women. And about 10 years later, a period of time, the two sons die. The two sons pass away. It doesn't say how they die, but they die. But so Naomi is left alone without her two sons and her husband. Have you ever lost? Have you ever lost somebody close to you? Whether maybe it was a spouse or a loved one, or even worse, maybe a child. 
Have you ever felt that pain? That's what Naomi was going through. And then she heard, it goes on, it says, she heard that the Lord had blessed the people of Judah and the famine was over, the crops were growing again, opportunities there, and she knew she lost everything, all of her family, everything that really meant to her, anything to her was gone now and she had to go back to her people. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out to the place which, where she had her homeland. She took the road to lead her to Judah. Then she had this epiphany. She goes, on the way, and Naomi said to her two daughters, go back to your mother's homes. Why would you? I mean, I'm being so selfish. I, I love it. I've lost everything but you and well, I'm taking you. I'm putting you at risk and you're going to be foreigners. You're not going to be treated well. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you. Then she kissed them goodbye. They all broke down and cried. Ever been separated by space or separated by time or location by, by you know, people that you love, separated from them? My son, my son's getting ready to go to um, Australia here in less than a month and I can't look at him now. <laughs> and I think I'm in denial because, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. You know, I'm going to talk to myself a lot probably. But because you know, we hang out a lot together. And my daughter went to college a few years ago. And I remember my wife and I, and we, we dropped her off, got her set in a dorm. And, and, uh, and I, you know, I was being tough and being strong. And, but I got in the car and I shed a few tears. And, and it was just the separation. I don't know if you felt that in your life. You probably have. And it was tough. Now, I mean, not only lost her husband and her two sons, but now her two closest family members. She's saying, just do what you... She, she knew it was better. She thought better for them. And they said, no, we want to go with you and to your people. They loved her. They had a bond with her. Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who would grow up and be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. I am too old. And even if it were possible, if I got married today, she says, and bear sons, then would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, she says. My daughter, she says, things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. She's now at the point because of all this loss, all this tragedy. She's been so focused on all the things that have happened. And it's tough. I can't even imagine. She's now blaming God. God is against me. Ever felt that way? You know, why? How come? Why? why what's going on? I, I don't understand. God must be mad at me about something. And again, they wept together. And Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. And Ruth, though Ruth clung on tightly to Naomi Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. She already gave up on God, that God was going to restore, that God was going to bless these two. She says, you know, you know she already limited the, the power of God in her mind. Now, growing up, you know, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have TV. What they do as a family is, in those times, is they get together and they would tell stories. They would have dinner. And they would tell stories about their grandparents and great-grandparents. And, and you know, Naomi and Elimelech, they came from the lineage. You traced their family history all the way up to Abraham. He's called the father of faith. At 75 years old, he was told by God that he would have a child. And at 100, he had Isaac. And then afterwards, he had six more. Talk about a miracle. I mean, my goodness gracious, those stories were told in their family setting. So she knew the power of God. She knew how, how great God was, but... That's not what she was talking about. That's not what she was thinking about. She was not focused on that. You should do the same. Just just go, she says. But Ruth replied, and she says this, this great scripture. She said, don't ask me to leave you and turn back 
Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Ruth has this revelation that she is supposed to stick with Naomi no matter what. She's taking a tremendous risk because when she goes to the land of Israel, she'd be a foreigner, treated terribly. She's not even, you know, she's not even part of a family. She doesn't have a husband. And back then that culture was that she was nothing without a husband, nothing without a family. A nobody. But no, no, no. She was willing to take that risk because she had love. She had a bond, an unbreakable bond with Ruth. Where you go, I go. Sounds like a song we just played. Where you live, I live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I believe that in better times, Naomi ministered to Ruth. I believe that she taught Ruth about God. She taught about how great God was, telling, telling stories about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all these great stories. In the, in the book of Genesis and what was taught down in their families. And she got revealed. She got, God was revealed to her through her relationship with Naomi because God works through people. He works mostly through people. Yes, he will, he'll work and talk to you, go through your spirit, yeah, but he also works mostly through people. And that's exactly what happened to Ruth. And then when Naomi was down and out, when Naomi had given up, when Naomi had cashed in her chips, she was too old. She was this, she was that. Not God's gonna use me. God's mad at me. Ruth said, no, where you go, I will go. And I was a kid, I used to say to my mom when I didn't get my own way, that's not fair. And mom would say, what, life isn't fair, honey? Did you ever hear that? You know, yes, it it isn't. And and things happen in our lives. But Naomi was focused on her circumstances, her life and the tragedy and things that were going on. God's ways are not our ways, it says in Isaiah. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He uses people, and it's so important. Now, Ruth learned something. She learned this. She learned it's not about you, it's about who. Ruth learned it wasn't about her anymore. She was willing to take a risk, at a tremendous risk. She would be treated terribly. She was a foreigner. She'd be looked down on. She was an outsider. She was an outcast. But she loved Naomi so much because of that bond, unbreakable bond that they had. She was willing to sacrifice it all. It goes on saying that wherever you die, I will die. And she said this, she says, may the Lord punish me severely if anything but death separates us. That's how much she loved her mother-in-law, Ruth. That's the bond that they had. So it wasn't about her anymore. It's about who, it's about who. And that's our Christian life. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. In our Rick Warren devotional a couple of days ago, it said this, I'm just gonna read it to you because it's powerful. Jesus taught that spiritual maturity is never an end in itself. Maturity is for ministry. It's not enough to keep learning more and more. We must act on what we know and practice what we claim to believe. Study without service leads to spiritual stagnation. Look at Jesus' life. Did he spend all his time in the synagogue? No, he didn't. He did, but he also spent time, most of it, with people. Giving, serving, loving, spending himself. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he calls us to do. He said also, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for, for me you will gain eternal blessings. Amen is right. Now, I was doing a study recently about uh, just looking at it, why people leave a church. Well, you know, it's kind of like, why I would never even think about why would I leave the church? But I started reading it because, you know, we have people come and go and like, well, you know, what's going on? I don't understand. And every single, I think, I think I looked about five or six of them and every single one had this one point. People leave because they're not connected. They don't have a 
They're not in community. They don't have a bond with someone or some people. They don't have a bond together. They don't. And that's what we got to make sure we don't allow to happen here. We have, I, can, I, I know that we have divine appointments that are set up. There's somebody that you're supposed to connect with, just like Ruth and Naomi. You're supposed to connect with. But connection <clears throat> happens a couple ways. And, and I'll go to the next slide. Connection happens through commu- uh, communi- commonality, if I can say the word. Connections happen through commonality. When you have a commonality, when you have something that you can relate to. I was just having a, out with uh, a couple of friends uh, recently here at the church. We had a barbecue, and I was trying to connect with somebody, and, we, and when we, we couldn't for whatever reason, but when we started talking about a subject that we both were excited about, I think it was music or something like that, all of a sudden our, we talked faster, we got more excited, our eyes lit up, and it was something we had a commonality, and we started a relationship there because we both like the same kind of music. It's kind of cool. There's divine appointments, but it starts with commonality. I was uh, chatting with Maddie, who's down at the back here. And this is just a couple weeks ago. I, I went to CR, Celebrate Recovery here Tuesday, and I listened to a guy speak, a guy named Rob, and he was full of passion, and his, his life has totally been transformed. And Maddie said, do you remember the first time I came to church, one of the first times, and we we're getting ready to start CR, and you made me talk, he said. You made me talk to Rob. You kind of encouraged or forced me, I think your words were, to talk to him, because I knew there was a commonality. I knew what they were going through was similar, and I knew that they had to talk to each other. And it happened. And today they're best buddies. And, and I watched and, and Rob was talking, giving his testimony, cleaned up his, his, his act. He was, oh, he was addicted to so many things and, and he's changing his life. And, and he owes it all, he says, to his relationship with Maddie. That bond that happened, that bond that's unbreakable, can change a life. And I was talking to a couple of gals that came to one of my life groups a few sessions ago, our small group ministry, uh, Carolyn and Megan, you'll see a picture of them, cute cute little gals there. Yeah, and they're both single. Just, <laughs> guys, uh, they wanted me to say that. No, no. Uh, but they, 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 I remember them coming to our life group and, they, and I knew that they had some similarities with, with their backgrounds and school and ages and stuff like that and their personalities. And I just said, I brought them to each other. I said, can you guys just say hi to each other? I said something with fools like that. I made it funny. And, and they started, t- and they were joking about it. Two weeks ago, they were telling me about this story. I forgot about it, how I kind of forced them to connect. And today, they're best buddies. They were here last night sitting next to each other with their families and laughing, having a good time. They're doing ministry together. They're growing together, spiritually accountable to each other. I mean, so many things have happened from that relationship with them. It's kind of cool. That picture that God has, that koinonia, that fellowship that God has in the church is just that. Having a bond with somebody, having a relationship with someone or some people that you know when the rubber meets the road, you'll be there for each other. So I want to do a little exercise. Now I want you to bear with me and trust. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Okay? But trust me, it's not going to be too weird. What I'm going to ask you, I'm going to mention a segment of our population, of our culture. And if you, quali- if you qualify, now this is church, you can't lie. <laughs> okay? I'm going to ask you to stand. Now that's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to speak or do the hokey pokey or anything like that. All right, don't worry. But if you are, you know, maybe uh, in your golden years or hitting retirement or already retired, or maybe you're like me and just got your AARP card, <laughs> could you just do me a favor and stand up? Just stand up where you're at. 
Just stand up, if you could. If you're retired, I know there's some of you here, okay? If you're getting ready to hit that age or you're already there, and look around at each other. There's a bunch of you. Yeah, don't be afraid. Look around, look around. Look at each other. Just look at each other. Do you know these people? There's a commonality there. Do you know each other? Maybe you don't. Maybe there's somebody sitting right next to you. You don't even know them. Have a seat. Thank you. If you are a parent of young children, let's say under the age of 10, you know, and you have young children all the way down to you know, zero, or just born infants, right? Uh, could you stand up? Again, I just, this is not hard. I'm not, oh, look at all you people. Look at you good looking folks, man. Look around, look around at each other. Look around, just take a minute, look around. Do you know these people? They have commonality with you. They have children, you know? They have, yeah. Before you leave here today, before you leave, before you leave here today, find one of them. Just say hi to him. Blame it on me if it's uncomfortable. Pastor Tom said, find one and just say, hi, how you doing? You know, what are your kids' ages? You know, start a relationship. Start it because you never know where that could lead. Have a seat. Thank you. I got to be careful with this one. If you're single. (laughs) Now, this is not the dating game. But who knows? <laughs> if you're single, okay, and whether you're a single parent or not, if you're single, could you stand up, please? Don't be afraid. Look at all of you. Last night it was all girls, so we were safe. <laughs> but if you're single, look around. Look, just look around at each other. Not too long. <laughs> just look around at each other. Look, do you know these people? Do you know someone here? Maybe you do. You know, have a seat. Before you leave, connect with them. Now, do it God's way. A couple weeks ago, I was, uh, came to church, and there was a couple guys sitting next to each other in a pew, back in front of each other. And I started talking to one of them, and I, and I, I just, was, I don't know, I just felt this, I needed to introduce him. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was God. I, I said, do you guys know each other? And the guy turned around. They'd been sitting next to each other for months, months, and they never even had said hi to each other. I don't, they don't do much more than that now, but now they, I watched it. I watched the meeting today. They, they sat down and went, hi, hi. <laughs> but it was better than nothing, okay? It was something, and now they know each other now. At least they know their names. They know where they sit, and they give each other, you know. <laughs> but that, but it, there's something about that, commonality, that connection. It creates fellowship, and that creates that bond. <clears throat> now, fellowship happens in your notes. You'll see it's fellowship or that bond happens and with a couple things. Number one, it happens with time. There is no substitute with spending time with other people. There is no substitute with it. We're always talking about plugging into groups, you know, life groups or men's and women's groups or other groups that are going. There's always something happening here. We are not meant to do life alone or by ourselves. We're not meant to do that. And we have men's and women's groups starting tomorrow night at 6.30. So if you're men's or women's, <laughs> you need to be here tomorrow night. We'll have child care. I'm sure we'll probably have coffee, all right? But come here. You might, this might be the furthest thing in the world that you want to do, but you never know who you might meet. You never know who might just enter your life and change it, or you might be able to bless by being there. Sometimes I don't even feel like going. But I get around these guys and, you know, and it's not about me teaching anything. It's about just being together as a team. And they usually teach me stuff. And I, I get so much from them. So don't miss on that. Come to it. Commit to it. It's only a few weeks. 
And then we started life groups and plugging into those. I, I can't tell you how many groups I've been involved with over the years, but every single one I've been blessed with and I've developed relationships with and I've learned to love different people and they've loved me and despite myself. And, and we just, it's awesome. There's nothing like it. Don't pass up on that. And I'm going to show you a couple pictures uh, of some different groups. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a Bible study. Here's a picture of uh, Pam and some of her friends that they go snowshoeing. You know, and it's, it's winter time, and a bunch of them, and there's more of them. They get together, and they, they go snowshoeing, have fun, and they're just doing life together. You know, maybe they pray, but that, they, they have some fun. You know, I asked them why they didn't ask me, and I said, they, they like to go fast. And, <laughs> no, no, but, you know, they'd be dragging me around, right? Obviously, I'm, I'm just kidding, but, but, but they have fun. Here's another picture uh, of my sister, Rach, you know, on the left, and with Gloria and Donna. And some of them, they had this great bond in this life group that these gals have been together and, and some of the husbands and stuff and, and they, they're constantly partying. I don't know what it is, but I tell Reese, what are you doing now? Oh, we're going here, we're doing that. They're having so much fun, you know, and they're always having a good time and doing some fun activities, but they're always connected with each other. And then I watch them come in the foyer and they look at each other, they smile, they hug, there's a bond there. It's unbreakable. My sister has, you know, um, a terminal disease, and I've talked about it before, and she's amazing, and it's a blessing, and, and everybody in that group has asked me how Rachie's doing all the time, and it just touches my heart because they love her. Let's go to the next one. Uh, this is my uh, lovely wife, Christine, on the end, and, 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 and Deb, and this is last week. And she, our, 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 one of the life groups we were involved in, and my wife is really connected with some of these gals, and it's just a few of them, and Deb got baptized. So it's not just when there's troubles or situations or issues in life, but it's also when celebration or victories happen. We get together and celebrate, and, 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 we're, and they are all excited about doing some things and getting together. They always want to get together, you know, and have fun. And that's what it's all about. Then there's another group, uh, Chris Rizzo and his, his group, and every picture they sent me was around food, so I guess they must love to eat, you know? <laughs> their families, but they're always connecting. Look at some of the kids winking and sticking their tongues out <laughs> for the picture. Just family, real life stuff. That's what this is all about. Fellowship or this bond that you're creating with others does take time. Does take, we're not, we are never too busy to create a bond with somebody else and other people. So get involved. The fellowship, that bond not only takes time, but it also will take, um, bonds happen through trials. You know, I, I work with, Brian and I work with a, a bunch of gals and, and, uh, that are mostly gals in our staff, so pray for us. Uh, <laughs> and so I get pretty intense and passionate about things and I'll say stuff and sometimes it's, it can be offensive. <laughs> and, and, you know, I have to ask for forgiveness and it says in Ephesians, you know, make allowances for each other. So I remind them that all the time. No, uh, but you know, but, but you know, but that's what it's about. It's about a team, and and, and you know, in your groups, you're going to have some people sometimes that rub you the wrong way. They're going to say things or do things or act way, and you're just not going to connect. That's okay. Forgive them. Love them anyway. You're not going to connect with everybody. You're not going to love everybody. You're not going to have a Naomi Ruth bond with everybody. It's okay. But make allowances for people. You know, one of my favorite uh, examples of that is is um, in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas. They were buddies. They were they were on a mission. And it talks about it in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas were preaching to people. They were talking about the good news of Christ and people were coming to Christ. And one example was this gal that um, accepted Christ and turned away from her ways and her job was to steal money from people. That was her job. And her boss got a little upset when she now accepted Christ and didn't want to steal anymore. And he organized it so these guys were arrested. Paul and Silas were arrested. They were stripped of their clothing and they were beaten, whipped and beaten dozens of times with a rod, a wooden rod. And they were bound in stocks and shackles 
and thrown in the inner dungeon of the jail. Now, you can imagine what a jail was like 2,000 years ago. This is the worst of the worst back then. What would you be doing? I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd probably be, (laughs) I don't know. I'd be praying, I'll tell you that. But these guys, look at the scripture. These guys were doing this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. (laughs) Think about that. They're praying and singing hymns to God. I'm not sure if I'd be doing that, especially if I was by myself. If Paul was there, maybe, but I'm not sure if Silas would have. Paul was pretty amazing, right? If I was by myself, I probably wouldn't have, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I want to I say I would, but if Brian was with me, I know I'd be. We'd be trying to outdo each other, you know? You know it's, but, that's, but that's because there's something about that. When you're going through trials, when you're going through struggles, when you're going through challenges, doing it with someone else, being there to pick each other up, dust each other off, and move forward. There's something about that, and we need that. We're created for that. I was talking to somebody recently about, they were like, oh my gosh, you know, I, you know, all these things are happening. I'm praying to God. He's not giving me an answer. I mean, we will go through challenges. We will go through trials. We will go through tests in our life. If you've ever been in school, most of you probably have. And remember this, the teacher's always silent during the exam. The teacher's always silent during the exam. That's why it says in James, consider it joy when you're going through things. Why? Because it's not going to stay that way forever. God's got a plan. He's going to see you through. Just in a moment of time, you're being stretched and grown. But that's what happens. The bond is, is, is developed through trials. Also, a bond is developed or happens through tragedy. Look at Ruth and Naomi. They lost husbands. Naomi lost her two sons. It was tragic. It was painful. It was tough but they got closer together during that time. I remember a few years ago, my grandfather passed away and he was like a patriarch in our family. Everybody loved Grandpa Joe. He was just a man. He was always laughing. He was always smiling and he was always teasing us. Or just, and he was the kind of grandpa that would put you on his lap and he would tell you all kinds of great stories. None of them are true. But he, I, he had us, our last, my last name is Pequino, and it looks like Pequot. And he had us all believing that we were descendants from the Pequot tribe. And I believed it so much that I went to a fourth grade class and gave a whole presentation about it. <laughs> and he never told me it was a lie. He's like, yeah, good job. <laughs> and I remember as a kid, he would tell me stories and he'd pull a quarter behind the back of my ear. Did you ever see a grandpa like that? And he just always loved and just gave and just smiled and and I loved him so much. He was just a great man. What a great example. And he had the love of God inside him, man. And I remember a few years ago, he was, he was tough too, and he was getting ready to die, and he had cancer, and he wouldn't really even tell anybody. And he was just kind of dealing with it, and every smiling, and just loving, and laughing, in tremendous pain. What an amazing guy. I remember he called me before he died. I didn't know what was going on. I never thought I'd ever be without my grandfather, ever just never entered my mind, you know? And uh, he just said, he wanted to tell me he loved me, and he proud he was. And he, I didn't know what was going on. He was talking to me, and I was there. And, and I, you know, about every Sunday, he would call the house and just talk to me. And we didn't even, I, I don't even know what we talked about. Just him calling was so cool. And then a week later, he was gone, and it hit me hard. I remember, I still to this day feel those, I miss my gramps, you know? And on Sunday, for several months, I would look for the, look for the phone to ring, and it just didn't anymore. And, but I do remember this. Many years ago, I accepted Christ, and I just felt this urge. I wanted to talk to him because I knew if he didn't know Christ, he needed to because he was so, 
He was such an impact on my life. I remember driving to his house. It was several hours away, and I just felt this, and I had no idea what I was doing. But I asked him, I said, Gramps, do you believe in Jesus? He goes, I think so. <laughs> and we had a conversation, and he said, yes. That's all I know. And I called a buddy of mine on the way home. I says, it worked. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that I needed him in my life, not just for this life, but forever. And I wanted him to experience the joy of Christ, and he did. And it was such a blessing. Well, you know what? There's <clears throat> a scripture that Solomon gave us in Ecclesiastes. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Well, pastor, that's not being very positive. You're saying that we're going to fall. Let me tell you, I'm very positive that you're going to fall. <laughs> you all are going to fall. You're all going to make mistakes. We're all sinners. Just because we're pastors doesn't mean we're perfect. Far from it. Hang out with us for a little bit of time and you realize it. We are just human beings. We, yes, we're called by God. Yes, we studied the Bible. Yes, we are serving and doing some things that God has asked us to do, but we still have the same struggles. We still have a sin nature. We're all struggling in certain areas of our lives, but it's different when you're doing it with someone else or doing it together. There's something about that. Something different about that. My nine-year-old daughter, she's awesome. She's going on 20, I think. But she uh, was downstairs at life camp. And they were talking about, you know, they were all sinners and something. And her, she's got a black and white perception of everything. So she walks up to, I think it was Sunday after church last week. And she walks up, she looks at me, or two weeks ago. She says, Dad, do you know there's sinners at life church? <laughs> and she's got this real concerned look on her face. And I okay, here it goes. And I, okay, yeah, yeah. And do you know that your dad's a sinner? She looks at me. Her eyes get wide. She goes, really? Like, you know, <laughs> and I, so I said, so are you. She goes, what? <laughs> we had this great conversation. Because she didn't, you know, she was like, you're either good or bad. And there's no, and it was awesome. But, you know, we're all sinners. We all fall sometimes, don't we? But we need there to be someone else in our life with a bond like Ruth and Naomi had when we are maybe not going the right path, going the right way. We need somebody to, put their arm around us and say, hey, come on, man. Let's, let's do this together. Let's get through this together. I love you. The good news about Ruth is this. Because of her commitment to Naomi, because of her example, because of her loyalty, she gets recognized by a guy named Boaz. Boaz is wealthy and she was out picking you know, the scraps. If you read on, I would recommend reading this book. It's only a four chapters or so and it's amazing. And she's picking up, she's asked permission to pick up the scraps after everybody's done the harvest. You know, like almost like she was dumpster diving, you know, in a sense. And he notices her, not because people, some people think that she was beautiful, and maybe that's true, but he notices her because she's different. She's a foreigner. She's different. And all of a sudden, his heart comes out to her. And he protects her. He blesses her. He eventually marries her. And they have children. And the child that she had kind of cool. The child she had is the grandfather, which makes Ruth and Boaz the great-grandfather of King David. So God takes this. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He takes this person that society would think is a nobody, but because of her commitment to him, her commitment to Naomi, her love, her honor, her loyalty, her willingness to risk and serve and give and bless, he blesses her. Through her family lineage comes Jesus Christ. And because of her, we're all here. What a great story. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.
Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel that's you, that you can relate to Naomi, that things have happened in your life and you've turned away. Maybe at one point you were really strong with your relationship with God and just the things happened and you're like, maybe you blame him for things and maybe you're just mad at him. He's not mad at you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you in your place. And what he wants more than anything is for you to come back to him. His arms are wide open and he wants to give you rest. He wants to love you. He wants to hold you. He wants to give you peace. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around, could you just raise your hand? Could you just raise your hand? That's you. You need to come back. Yes, thank you for those hands. Thank you. Yes. Or maybe you've never experienced God. Maybe you've, you know, I, I, I need something in my life. I, 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 I keep searching. I keep trying to fill it up with some other things. And it, nothing ever really sustains it. Nothing ever really gives me real joy. But I know there's something I'm missing. Maybe you never really said yes to him. Maybe you never said yes to Jesus. Thanked him for his sacrifice for you. And if that's you and you feel this tugging and it's today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, could you just raise your hand if that's you? If you're saying yes, I want to say yes. Thank you for those hands. Yes to Jesus. It's my time. It's your time. Let's all pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for those that raise their hands. Thank you for them, the ones that want to turn back to you. You said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. You'll never let us go. And the ones that raise their hands saying, yes, it's time. It says all of heaven will stop what they're doing and they're rejoicing. If just one of you says yes, and right now that's what they're doing, they're excited, they're throwing a party for you and getting a place prepared for you. We ask you to bless them and keep revealing yourself to them. In Jesus' name.